All right, so we're in Luke. We're in a series called Walk With Me. Um, and I'm not going to do a big recap. If you remember last week and the four weeks before that, we were in Luke chapter 6, covering the Sermon on the Mount. And so um, maybe some of you that are really plugged into this series are like, yo, you just jumped 12 chapters. Um, I know some of you were like, gosh, Josh, we were only in Luke 6 last week. How are we already in Luke 18? I saw you guys looking all puzzled, like really concerned. And, uh, but we're going to do something a little different this week. Um, so it's, it's kind of a part of the series, and it's kind of a standalone week. Um, today, we're going to have um, not our first baby dedication, but our first baby dedication in some time. Um, so it's going to be really a sweet morning as the Reynolds and the Barbades are here, and, and we're going to pray over and, and, and just talk about their kids. And anyway, it's going to be a great day. So we're going to start in Luke chapter 18. Read verses 15 through 18. I'm going to give a brief word to talk about Jesus's posture toward children, what he had to say about children. We're going to explore that for a little bit, um, and then we're going to move into more of a formalized um, baby dedication, which will be super sweet in awe of the aw. So it'll be great. All right. Um, I'm going to read. Um, actually, if someone else wouldn't mind, Luke 18, verses 15 through 17, not through 18. Um, would someone mind reading verses 15 through 17 just slowly over our family? Someone volunteer. Boom. Thank you. And so there's this moment where Jesus is in the middle of his ministry, and some people come up to Jesus with infants in their hands, apparently, and they ask uh, probably just for some kind of blessing or for some kind of prayer over their child. And to give some context, um, that wasn't weird or strange. So when I read it, I'm like, you know, why are you putting your baby in Jesus's face? Um, but uh, it seems like an odd movement, but it, that actually wasn't that weird. So um, it was pretty normal for rabbis to bless children. Um, children were presented at the temple. Can someone name a really famous baby that was presented at the temple in Luke chapter two? Jesus. <laughs> A different kind of Jesus juke for you. Um, so, um, so yeah, so even Jesus himself was presented at the temple. He was prophesied over. He was prayed over. And so the thought of someone bringing their baby before Jesus and saying, like, hey, pray over my child. Bless my child. He, as a rabbi slash Messiah, fully God, fully man, that was a normal response. The only real difference here is he, Jesus had these guard dogs, these disciples. And honestly, I really relate. Like, does anyone else like to be a guard dog for their friends? Like, if someone crosses the line before they can even get mad, you're already mad? You're like, wait, hold on, what'd you just say? Are you bothered? Well, you should be. I'm bothered, you know, like, and that's what I feel in the disciples here. They're like, hey, hey, you coming for Jesus? You gotta go through me. Let me check the priority list if you are allowed. And, and they decide, um, as Jesus has been healing the sick and raising the dead and preaching these really powerful teachings that honestly, there's just too much going on in Jesus's life to pray over some kids, all right? We got other rabbis for that, okay? Why don't you go down the street to rabbi, someone give me a rabbi name. 
<laughs> go to that rabbi and, and talk to him. Jesus is too busy, right? He's got too much going on. And, and Jesus immediately has something to say about this. He's like, hey, nothing's more important than this moment right here, right? And I want to address kind of attention because Jesus says um, that for such belongs the kingdom of God. Whoever doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And I want to address something because if we're not careful, especially for us non-parents, parents get this passage way faster, but non-parents, we'll look at this and in our heads, we'll see the children's Bible with the little cartoons on them. Did you ever have a children's Bible? I did. And we'll just be like, oh, that's right. Jesus loves the kids. That is so good. Jesus, thanks for loving kids, right? And it'll just sort of stop there. But we're shortchanging ourselves if we turn this into, Jesus, you're so sweet. Thanks for noticing the three-year-olds, right? We'll miss it. Because what Jesus says is, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it, all right? <laughs> Certainly, Jesus has taken this a little further than children are sweet. And I hope everybody knows that. Does that make sense? And so I want to very briefly, like I'm going to say pretty surface level, I want to cover some things that stuck out to me this week because I thought about kids and what Jesus was getting at. Because if you've ever noticed, have you ever had that pastor where, where he or she has children and it seems like every week the example they give to help you draw a parallel to God is about their what? Their children. And side note, I've heard someone, I've, I've been complained to about this, pastors that use their kids all the time. Um, it's okay. Pastors are trying really hard. It's all right. They're trying to help you understand God. So if they use their kids every week, let them use their kids. Maybe just ask the Lord, you know, what it is, what's in there for you. So don't complain. It's okay. Um, anyway, uh, but, but when the preacher starts talking, and he's like, you know, I saw God this week and, and you're already filling in the blanks. You're like, let me guess, what'd your kids do? oh, were you playing and they were on the swing and then they jumped off and they had a lot of faith and then, okay, you know, I, <laughs> great. And us single people and us, us people that are married without kids are just like eye rolling like crazy. But I, I want you to stop for just a second and as best as you can, remove that, that, that personal experience that, it has, that you have in you that makes you wanna be judgmental toward that, remove that and just consider, you ever think there's a reason why pastors that are parents can't help themselves but give countless examples of how their kids reminded them of God. <laughs> like, just like, hold up. It's not just parental bias, although I'm sure that's a huge factor, right? No child will ever be as cute as my child. I'm already, I already know that. I don't even have a kid yet, right? I get it. But on some level, children have this tendency that if you're paying attention, unlike the disciples who were too busy, but if you're paying attention, if you're really watching them, they will give you insights into the spirit of God. Like God will use children to teach you. You're gonna have to keep doing the work of making it like trite, shallow teachings that kids will give you. Children will teach you deep wells that will give you insight into the wisdom of God if only you will have eyes to see them and pay attention to what they're doing, all right? So when Jesus says, you know, have faith like a child, he's not saying, hey, be gullible and just believe anything like a child. Like, he's not pointing out, like, I remember as a five-year-old, you could make me believe almost anything, right? And I won't give examples because I've learned as a pastor not to follow the, what did you used to believe in train of thought. Does everyone know who I'm referencing? I wrote down in all bold, don't mention a fictitious 
Does no one know what I'm getting at? Move on. Um, all right. Uh, okay, I'm done. Um, but Jesus is not highlighting like, oh, kids will believe anything, be like them. He's going much deeper than that. And so a few examples. Have you ever tried to explain something simple to a child who is in that like curiosity phase, right? We're all smart until kids start asking questions. And two questions in, we're not smart, right? You know, I have a nephew and he's really curious about stuff. And we've never had this conversation, but here's kind of an example of what could happen. Um, he's like, hey, why is the sky blue? And it's like, you know, because God made it blue. Yeah, but like, what's the science behind it? A kid's never asked me that. But like, but what, what goes into the sky being blue? And it's like, hey, look, look, kid. Society, as we've grown up, we've all decided the sky's blue, <laughs> all right? None of us are doing this except weathermen. And we have apps for that. So we're not even checking with the weathermen about why the sky's blue. We're just looking at the weather app. It kind of gives us the temperature. That's all the questions we're asking. Every now and then some clouds will show up and it'll be gray. And it's like, whoa, it's gray now. And we're just moving on as a society. We don't care. We don't need to know the answers. The sun's hot. Some think it's really too hot on some level. It's kind of confusing. Anyway, that's it, all right? But what are you having kids? They're not aware of that. They're not aware that, hey, we don't really dig deep here. We, don't, we just kind of keep going on. We just kind of accept things as they are. Why? Because they have no shame in their ignorance. They're in like full-on explore mode. They just want to know. They're just aware, I don't know, and I'd like to know. Here comes all my questions about it. <laughs> and I realized this week, oh, it's as adults, we, we learn to be ashamed of our ignorance. It's as adults, we get in circles around the Bible, and someone says the word Pharisee, and we don't know what that means, but it seems like everyone else knows what that means, and so what do we do? Do we ask? Or do we nod our head and write stuff down whenever someone else writes it down? And all we're doing is just squiggling on the page. Yeah. I drew a balloon. What'd you write? <laughs> you know, like, because I didn't understand, right? But we learn. And I just thought about that. Man, what's, what's one example of how we can learn from children? There is no shame in their ignorance. And how often I come before God, ashamed of my ignorance, ashamed of the mystery, ashamed of what I've forgotten how often do I sit in circles and I try to play it cool and play it like, no, I know what's going on. Yeah, 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 yeah. When you mention that policy, like, sure, I know all the implications of that. I get it. Just, you don't even got to talk to me about it because I already get it. So move on, right? You know, like we learned that. And I was like, oh, wait, faith like a child. Be like a child with the Lord. Like no shame in our ignorance. Always asking questions, always exploring with the Holy Spirit, always exploring with our community. What, what is this? I want to figure out all the complexities and the beauty of it and having no sense of shame because I don't know something. We learn that from kids. It's a beautiful lesson. Secondly, I thought about when I was, uh, when I was three. My memories of when I was three are recorded on VHS tape. Does anyone not know what I just said? Okay. It's a big box and it's got like a strip on it and it has me as a three-year-old on it. And I was praying and my parents were teaching me how to pray on this video, this blurry VHS video. And as I'm praying, not verbatim, but close, I go, I pray for my grandpa and I pray for his four-wheeler and I pray for his Bronco. He's got a great Bronco. And still, and I pray for his boat and I pray for Smokey. Smokey was his dog's name. And I just started praying all these really simple things. And again, if you're not careful, you're like, man, I was just lacking 
intelligence as I prayed for my grandfather's four-wheeler, right? Like, I pray that it still has four wheels, Lord, so it can live into its identity as a four-wheeler, you know? Um, But what I learned from that is, what was I doing? As a three-year-old, I knew, oh, when you pray, you pray for the people you love, and you pray for the things they care about. And I you're gonna be tempted to make this trivial and trite, keep resisting that temptation, because in all seriousness, I asked myself this week, what do I wish I was doing more of? Praying for the people I love and praying for the things they care about more. Because now my prayers are way more meta. Now they're way more philosophical. And now I'm like facing deconstruction. And those are good prayers. Like, let's, let's wrestle, God. How does all this work? I'm overwhelmed. I'm intimidated. But I literally, as I just thought about children praying, and I guess as I thought about me praying as a child, <laughs> um, I just thought about like, oh, God, I've forgotten to very simply just remind me to pray for the people I love consistently and just to pray for the things they care about. Has anyone just sat down and, and prayed for who they love and prayed for who they care about and then the Holy Spirit began ministering to you and then you start texting your friends like, yo, I was praying for you today. And here's some things I thought about. I just wanna encourage you in this way. Or here's some things I felt like God was sharing in my heart for your sake. Like, and God just reminded me, oh yeah, that's what kids do. When you teach them to pray, they're pre-direct. They pray for their mom and their dad and for school and, and lunch that day. And maybe that's not so bad. Maybe there's something for us to learn in that. So that was another thing is just the simplicity of just faithful prayer to God. And then the last thing I thought about was, was uh, when Dave Clayton shared this story about his son, Micah, and how Micah understood obedience, specifically in relation to God. He said that they were in California. They were on some kind of trip. I'm sure they were doing ministry of some sort. The Claytons have a habit of always being on, doing ministry when they're somewhere else. But they were doing something, and at some point, Dave and Micah were just walking down the street, and they saw someone who was really sick. And they couldn't decide if it was mental illness or demon possession, and I know that phrase freaks some of you out, but they just couldn't decide what's going on with this person. They're clearly something's wrong with, 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 with what's going on in their, their brain and what they're saying out loud. And so Dave kind of entered into like safe father mode, and he just walked with Micah across the other side of the street. They move on. And the next day they're at the airport, and Micah looks at Dave, his dad, and goes, Dad, uh, just like, a quick question. Why, why didn't we pray? for the, the sick guy we passed yesterday. What happened? Why, I thought Jesus said, aren't we supposed to pray for the sick? Isn't that what we do as Christians? And he literally, what's awesome is he's like nine. So he doesn't have like the condescending nature that we would have been tempted to have. Like, hey, about yesterday. I th- thought you were supposed to pray, pastor. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like I got to cancel you on Instagram. <laughs> you know? So in the, in the sweetness of a son, he's just literally trying to connect the dots. No shame in the ignorance. Like, dad, Jesus said, pray for the sick. He was sick. What happened? And in that moment, Dave went, oh, that's right. Like, I let you being my son talk me into why I should not seek to minister and pray for the sick. But really, Jesus's identity over both of us as sons of God is much higher than that. And he learned his son was right, that David just learned to reason his way out of very simple obedience. Pray for the sick. It's that easy. And Micah knew that. And I thought there's something about how children just understand, just direct obedience. They don't overcomplicate it. Like when Jesus says the wise man builds his house on a solid foundation, what that wise man does is he hears the words of Jesus and obeys them. A child goes, okay, it sounds like I need to do whatever Jesus says to do. And it's like, yes. That's why Jesus goes, if you don't think and process and have faith like a child does. You actually can't enter the kingdom of heaven. You will think your way out of it. 
Like he understands the adult tendency to discuss it, to debate the things that Jesus said. No, I think he means that. I think he means this, to discern it, quote unquote. We discern our way out of a lot of missional living, right? Like it's just, I'm just not in the right spot. I gotta love me before I can love my neighbor, right? Like, you know, whatever. Even though Jesus said, just love your neighbor, right? And Jesus goes, man, kids get it. They understand if Jesus says it, we should do it. I just thought about the brilliance of this. And so um, we believe here at Ruby that we have something to benefit from doing church together. This is why we do intergenerational ministry. And some of you had never heard me even mention that, but this is why we always have our kids present. We believe that the kids will be cultivated, they will be molded by seeing a bunch of adults learn how to vulnerably pursue Jesus. Like when we do Lectio Divina, we want our kids hearing adults sharing openly and honestly about their walk with Jesus, where things have been hard and how they're holding on to Jesus, where things have been amazing and how they're holding on to Jesus. But also, I really wanna state this for our family here. We believe that we have things to learn from the children. And so the children in the back are, are not there for you to be like, oh yeah, the kids are back there and you just kind of move on passively. Like they're a part of our family and Jesus says there's things to be learned from them. And so before we get into the baby dedication, like the more formalized part of this, I just had three things that I'm gonna encourage you, especially non-parents, single people, please hear me. As a part of our church, I'm gonna, gonna ask you to do something with our children, all right? The first thing I wanna ask you to do from every Sunday here on out, as long as you're in this family. I want you to really proactively love our children. So if you're taking notes, can you write this down or write it down in your brain? But I just charge you, love our children. We have a kids team. They've been background checked. They're gonna protect the children. I'm not asking you to go hug the kids or be best friends with the kids. But what I'm saying is, don't walk by them without waving at them. Don't walk by them without saying, hey, good morning. What's your name? I'm so-and-so. It's good to see you this morning. I just started thinking, what if our children, 30 times a Sunday for the whole year, saw several different strangers come by and go, I'm so-and-so, you're amazing, I'm glad you're here. And they just sense like, they're in. Like, they are in the family. What does that speak to a child? I don't know if you remember being a child, but when someone older than the age of basically seven says you're cool, you're cool. That's how it is. <laughs> like, I, I literally, as I said this, I was, wasn't planned, so maybe I shouldn't say it, but I remember being in youth group, and I was like 10, and this like 17-year-old was so, so good at ping pong. He was just so good at it. And he said hey to me. And I was just like, dang, that dude's a professional ping pong player. <laughs> and he said hey. He's in my youth group, probably pretty bad at ping pong. I'm better than him now. But, <laughs> but, but like, I just remember how cool that was. And I go, guys, it's pretty awesome that you have an invitation to be that memory for a child. May those children never doubt if you love them, if you're excited they're here, if they belong. May they never think they're in some weird, detached part of the gathering off into the corner. But that won't happen by accident, right? We've got a team working at that, but also this family. And so is this make, can you nod your head? You see me? Like, love our children, wave at them, say hello, tell them they're awesome. Keep it simple. That's great. You're great. Love you. Boom. Do it. Proactively love our kids. And then secondly, secondly, um, learn from our kids. Um, be shaped by our kids. Like, pay attention to them. 
I know I, this is kind of tricky in this space because they're kind of behind you, so you have to turn your head, but, but pay attention to our kids. Like when you hear them fighting in the back and then three seconds, three seconds later, they're already best friends and playing again, just let the Holy Spirit go. That's how I always want forgiveness to work. All right? Like, forgive, move past it. Like, get, get beyond it. When you hear our kids laughing, running around, stomping on the ground, like, remember, just hear God saying, hey, it's not always so serious. I know you're in church. I know this feels super formal and there's like kind of an order to things, but it's not that serious. Laugh a little bit. Shrug your shoulders. Maybe don't get up and start playing tag also. That would just be so odd, wouldn't it, culturally? Like, we all agree. We understand the nuance. I trust you to explore the nuance of how to, like, learn from children and, and apply it to your own life. But learn from them. Pay attention to them. And literally, I, like, ask the Lord, God, like, what do you see in them? Help me to learn. They have something to teach us. And then the third one, big believer in this. If you're a non-parent, encourage and love our parents. Y'all, I understand, like, it's so easy just to build a bridge towards someone else where there's like perceived commonality, right? You see someone sitting by themselves, you're sitting by yourself, so that's your natural go-to. Oh, we're, we're both sitting alone, right? So then if you kind of keep going, if you see parents, you go, oh, we're so different. I would encourage you to bridge the gap. That's why we're doing intergenerational ministry. It's that people of all ages, all demographics can just know each other, glean from each other, learn from each other. And so guys, I charge you, as you see parents, go say hello to them introduce yourself, hug them, tell them they're awesome, ask them how you can pray for them. Guys, let's sympathize with our parents. They have to listen to all of us non-parents talk about how busy our week was. <laughs> That's not true. There's a cap. You can only get so busy when you're not a parent. Parents, can y'all testify? You can only get so busy when you're not a parent, right? Then you're a parent and it's all different. Is that true, right? It's black and white. I would know I'm not a parent, right? But, but I would just encourage you, like our parents, I've talked to them. They're spending sleepless nights just caring so deeply for their children. They're being so intentional how they raise their kids and they are coming to the ends. Please hear me. They're coming to the ends of themselves for the sake of their children. Please, church, bless and encourage our parents. I am charging you with that. I am tasking every non-parent to be a source of light and encouragement and peace and hope to our parents. Do you hear me? Can you nod your head with me? I'm not mad, I sounded mad, I'm so sorry. I'm an eight on the Enneagram, I hide it as best as I can. So please encourage our parents. Like as I was thinking about the sermon, Jason, Beth, I thought about you guys and just thought about how many sleepless nights Jason, I thought about you sharing it. Sometimes you'd go to the backyard and just, you'd punch the grass because you had to let, and I was like, I relate to that so much. Like, I don't want to yell at my kids, so let me go and punch some dirt because I'm just like, wow, this is a lot. But I just thought about, of course you do. Like, that's what kids do. Like, as you're raising them, you give your life for them. You find the selfless part of you for the sake of your kids. And you guys are amazing. Our parents, I did a survey. I surveyed the 500 plus churches in Nashville, 90% response, and all of them voted. The Ruby parents are the better parents. <laughs> They're the best. We're lucky. <laughs> I won't name the churches. They'd be embarrassed. Um, no, that joke, I took it too far. Um, but I did nail it at first. But I just think our parents, y'all, I, I, it just kind of connected with me this week. I've had the privilege of talking to our parents a lot and, and just getting to always check in with them. How are you? What's going on? I get to know when they're traveling, when they're up very late, when they have no sleep, when they're exhausted, when they need a break. Uh, Muriel, even more than that, our kid's pastor. And anyway, they need our encouragement. 
They need our prayer. They need to be told they're doing great all the time. And so let's do that here. In my head, if Jason and Beth walked in a year from now and they went, I know for a fact, at least seven people are about to tell me how awesome a parent I am. I would love for them to have to deal with that inconvenience. Does that make sense? Okay. All right. We're going to move in to the more formal part, the baby dedication. This is the cuter part. Um, Before I invite you guys up with your children, um, I'm going to start reading now a lot more. Um, As I do this, this is going to feel somewhat Oh, are those for the kids? I was like, why do you have balloons in your hand? (laughs) Um, Anyway, um, this part's going to feel a little more formal. Um, As I was going over, it reminded me of when I do weddings, of when I perform weddings for people. It's that kind of covenantal language. Um, I'm going to ask you guys to agree to something as a church family. Um, And it just kind of struck me like, in some ways, we're we're forming a covenant here. Um, We're going to ask the parents to agree to, to raise their children right. To, to raise them in, in the ways of Jesus. And then I'm gonna ask the church to care for our children and to care for our parents. And so as I read, as it sounds more formal, um, I hope God just like reveals to you kind of the depths of what's happening here. We are committing to something as a family. And I know we live in a transient city. And I know some of you feel like you see some people once a summer and then you never see them on another Sunday again. Like people are just always moving around. Um, but this is a family, and we want to act like a family. We want to encourage each other like a family, strengthen each other like a family, bear each other's burdens like a family. And so we're going to make a public commitment together to care for our parents and to care for our kids as a family. Does that make sense? Okay, so I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to invite all the families up, and it's going to be very sweet if you guys are ready. Okay? All right, Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for our children. Jesus, thank you that you proved it's impossible to be too busy to notice a child. That's not actually possible. Um, if, if you're too busy to notice a child, there's something broken in you that, you're, that Jesus, you need to heal. Thank you, God, for your attentiveness. Thank you for how you've created children to just be such clear indicators of the living God, the God of mercy, the God of love, the God of compassion. Thank you for what you show us in, ch- in children. And Father, I pray that as we move to this next part, that that's a little more like charging us and, and inviting us into kind of a covenantal relationship with our children. This probably caught a lot of us off guard. So will you help us to mean this, God? Will you help your family to buy in um, even now? Um, we're honored to have the ability to care for our kids, to care for our families. Yeah, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.